I didn't know. To me, scientist was, I, oh, you only saw that in movies. I had zero idea that you could become one. It's like growing up, you see an astronaut and you're just like, oh, that's cool. But it seems so out of reach and not even possible. And so it took me years to even figure out how to break into STEM. After I got out of the military, I knew I wanted to go back to school. And I, that was a big reason why I joined the military. listening to the Say Hola Well podcast, a show dedicated to help stigmatize the idea of wanting more money. More money, more options for you and your family to become financially free. I am your host, Lucy King, Latina wealth coach on a mission to help you create generational wealth through entrepreneurship and stock market investing. In 2019, I left my dream job that looked amazing on paper because I was severely underpaid and overworked. Through that process of reinventing myself, I put myself back in school and I learned about investing and well-building by accident. I was also denied access to financial advice because I didn't have $100,000 to start investing. I was looking for a Latina wealth coach who was talking about money through a holistic lens, someone who I could relate to and I couldn't find her. So on this show, I'm going to teach you the strategies, the mindset, and everything I'm doing to be on track to make work optional by 45. If you are looking for a show that is talking about money and cultura, you have come to the right show. Hi, Cristina. Welcome to Say Hola Well. How are you? Hi, Lucy. I'm good. How are you? Thank you for having me. Very excited to talk to you about how you have been able to break into STEM. We're going to talk about your passion to really like a study and share all about brain injuries. But before we get there, I want to ask you, how did you grow up and what was your relationship with money? No, thank you for that. So I grew up in the outskirts of LA. So I grew up in La Puente, California. I was the youngest of four children. So my mom and dad are both from Mexico and they started, I would say my dad joined the Air Force at, I think around 19 or 20, he joined the Air Force. And then my mom and dad got married and they had four children. And then they ended up being stationed in Southern California towards the end of his career. Since there's a huge age gap between my siblings and I, my oldest sibling is 12 years older than me, then it's 11 years and then eight years. So I'm way down below. And by the time my dad retired, I was very young. And then my parents divorced when I was eight. And then, so then my siblings all moved on, moved out of the house. And it was just really me and my mom for many years. And she was battling scleroderma, which is an autoimmune disorder. And so she got terminally ill and I, we ended up losing my mom when I was a senior in high school. And so that was extremely difficult. And But throughout my teenage life, I would say we really did struggle with money. It was very limited. I worked since I was 15. I always wanted to be able to contribute as much as I could. So I always had a job. And, but that wasn't enough. I'm a teenager making minimum wage in California. I think at that time it was $7 an hour. And so it just wasn't enough. And my mom was a lot of the times was on disability because she was ill. And so it was really, really difficult. And I did not want that. 
I did not want that feeling of insecurity growing up later in my adult life with my dad joining the military, my sister joined the Marine Corps. It really felt like that was a safe option for me to provide security. And I knew that I wasn't ready to take on life on my own. I wasn't ready to go to college on my own. So I joined the military straight out of high school. But I do want to caveat that I, at the age of 18, with the whole everything going on with my mom and her illness, and I did not graduate high school. So I ended up dropping out of high school and I knew I needed to do something with my life. And so I ended up applying or I ended up entering into adult school. And that's how I obtained my high school diploma. And because I wanted to join the Air Force and the Air Force was let me know, the recruiters let me know that they didn't accept GEDs at that time. And so I had to get my high school diploma. And so I went to adult school at night and I finished I just had to take a couple of tests just because I had completed the majority of my high school education. And it was just towards the tail end of my senior year that I really just completely stopped attending coursework. So I only needed a little bit of credits to, to get my diploma. So I ended up finishing that. And, and then I said goodbye to my family. And then the recruiter picked me up from the hospital and, and I moved. And so from there, I went to San Antonio for basic training. And then, and from there, I went to my duty station. So I got stationed in England and then Turkey, and then I moved to Los Vegas. And so once I got out of the military, I went back to school using my GI Bill to pay for my education. Yeah. What a resilient journey you have <laughs> had, by the way. And I I didn't know so much about what you just shared because I usually, I like to get cheese on the people that I bring to the podcast. <laughs> but I've, I just learned so many things about you. And you mentioned the fact that your mom was ill and also that you lost your mom at a young age, which yeah. is something that we don't often talk about grief, right? Like the grief that we go through when things like this happen in life. And I also want to share, I don't think I've ever shared this with people, but my husband's mom passed because of the same illness that your mom had when she wow. was 45. So what a coincidence, by the way, to be talking about that right now. I was like, well, so I am familiar with, with that and what it does to people. And I didn't have the pleasure of meeting her because I met my husband at a much later state in his life. But I know that financially and mentally and emotionally having a family member in your family that is going through that illness can be very tolling on everything. So thank you for sharing that. And I want to talk to you about why did you decide it to break into STEM because, and I do want to say that I should address you as Dr. Christine <laughs> no, because you just got your PhD yes. and, and I need to address you properly because you were No, you're fine. So, so tell us about your journey on why did you decide to break specifically into STEM and just some of the nuggets and some of the things that you had to go through to make it there. Yeah. I always love science. Even as a young kid, you could ask my siblings, my parents. I was obsessed with puzzles. I always wanted, I grew up with watching Bill Nye, Science Guy on PBS, I, or Zoom on PBS. I grew up always watching National Geographic. I really loved understanding things on a deeper level. And I didn't know what that meant, though, growing up, because I didn't know. To me, scientist was, I, oh, you only saw that in movies. I had zero idea that you could become one. It's like growing up, you see, astronaut and you're just like oh that's cool but it seems so out of reach and not even possible and so it took me years to even figure out how to break into STEM. After I got out of the military, 
I knew I wanted to go back to school and I, that was a big reason why I joined the military. I did not want to be, take out student loans and I did not want that for me. And so I used my GI bill to pay for my first bachelor's degree, which was in nutrition science. And so I love nutrition and I love understanding the science of it, but it still wasn't enough science for me. I went down to get a second bachelor's in molecular and cellular physiology. And so I finished that and I was like, okay, this is great. I am, I think maybe I want to go to medical school. And so I applied to medical school. I interviewed. I did not get in. And I was like, okay, so should I try again? Because this is super common. People don't get in. But there was always a huge part of me that wanted research experience. I wanted to work in a lab. I really wanted to understand what that was about because I had heard about it when I went to undergrad. And I had reached out to multiple professors Hey, can I, I heard that you working on this and I would send cold emails. Can I come work in your lab? Everything was no, sorry, we don't have spots, we don't have spots, we don't have spots. I'm like, okay. So then that was at Las Vegas when I was at University of Nevada, Las Vegas. And then when I moved to Louisiana, I started doing the same thing here. I started reaching out, cold emailing. I just did not care. I would go online, research anything that I was interested in and start emailing people. And I got a lot of no's, many no's, and it took one yes. I got one yes from somebody and he invited me into his lab and I learned what he was working on. And then he, and I actually wanted to work as a student worker, which is just a very like internship type level. And he actually introduced me to graduate school. And have you ever heard of graduate school? What this entails? And I'm like, no, what does that mean? And he, so he said, graduate school is you get your PhD and you do research and you're, you become a biomedical scientist. And I said, I never heard of this. I was already 28 years old and I never knew that's how you become a scientist. And I think I was doing the work and I still couldn't comprehend that this is it. So it's just a very surreal feeling for me. And so that's how I entered into graduate school and how I got into pursuing my PhD. I feel sometimes I feel like it just got lucky, but you know, I forget that I did send a lot of emails. I really did reach out a lot. And so that's how I broke into STEM. And so you mentioned some like obstacles that I overcame. Is that correct? Correct. Okay. So yes. So the obstacles getting into STEM, I felt it was very gatekeeping. If they didn't know you or you didn't have, especially my experience in Las Vegas, if you didn't have a 4.0 or if you didn't know the professor on a personal level, they were just not going to give you an opportunity in their lab. And I'm not saying every professor was like that, but that was just my own personal lived experience. And, and the same thing was happening when I moved to Louisiana. No, I didn't have a perfect GPA. It was decent. I think it was about like 3.5, but they wanted just the people that I was approaching apparently wanted the best of the best they wanted. And so my credentials to them were not what they wanted, which was fine. And I understand that. So I felt that was a huge obstacle, number one. And then once I was in it, I had to battle my own mindset of not feeling good enough because leading up to this point, I was told that I was told that the doors were not opened for me. People were not giving me opportunities. And I really had to break down the door just to make opportunities for myself. So I felt that I was never good enough. And then it was exacerbated with, I think, sometimes not being taken seriously when I have an idea or I have acquired knowledge from just reading papers and I bring it to the table. It's always scoffed at in the beginning. It's like, okay, you're sure. Okay. And it takes me so much more effort 
to be taken seriously. I would say more than the average grad student. I think in the sense that as a Latina in STEM, I feel like a lot of people of color and Latinas in STEM and could relate to this. I felt like that was a huge obstacle. So yeah, it's just never a comfortable feeling when you feel like you're working really hard and you're just not being heard. Yeah, absolutely. I do want to say that as you're sharing that you just were emailing people that you were like ready to take so many no's to get one yes, that just talks about your passion for the field that you're in. And a lot of us at some point in our life are not comfortable with rejection. You're like, oh my God, me van a decir que no. So I just, (laughs) it's just better to just sit with it. And so I just want to, I want people that are listening to the podcast to realize that the fact that you got to where you are today is because you decided to take so many notes. It's just like, <laughs> wow, that's just fascinating, right? Being comfortable with being uncomfortable mm-hmm. and your audacity, by the way, your audacity to just say, no, I'm going to email as many people as I can. That mm-hmm. talks so much about the passion for the things that you want to do. Mujer, if you are ready to create audacious money moves before the year ends, I would love for you to join the waitlist for the next round of the Say Hola Wealth Academy. In this coaching container, I am going to teach you how to decolonize your money mindset and learn all things wealth building, investing, and income increase. You are going to be fully supported by me and also be in a community where mujeres want to see you thrive. Si estás lista join the waitlist today using the link in the show notes let's build wealth juntas now let's get back to the show now christina how did you decided to transition into studying brain injuries because that when i sat down on i believe on tiktok for the first time mm-hmm. i'm fascinated with the brain i'm not a scientist i'm not a doctor but i am fascinated with just the not just the anatomy of our brain but also like yeah. how our brain process things so i just want to dive into that why did you decide to study specifically like brain injuries no, that thank you for that question. So I wanted to start studying traumatic brain injury for a while, but it, the opportunity never presented itself until graduate school. And I think it really did stem from my experience with the military. And so especially with my sister, my sister Blanca, she's a retired Marine. She's a combat Marine. She was deployed multiple times to Iraq and Afghanistan and experiencing how she transition back into civilian life was not easy. And she's it's still not back to quote unquote normal. And so seeing that, I realized that there was something happening downrange because even though she was not, not infantry, she was logistics that was supporting infantry. And there are, she even came out in the Chicago Tribune and the women on the front lines because we don't really think about women in the front lines typically. So this was early on, I think in 2004 or five, right after 9-11. So this was very early on in the, in that war time frame, And so seeing her and seeing how, how scared she was with 4th of July, with fireworks, very loud noises, it just, it had such a huge impact on me. And then going into graduate school and pulling up papers just out of curiosity, seeing that there was a link between mild TBI from just 
small rattling of the brain, even far away from an explosion can cause small little rattling. And that happening time over time and again, and some of these soldiers are in, and Marines are out there for months at a time. So they're being exposed to this daily. And when they come back, I think it's now being explored that this is a link, that these small little rattling of the brain, which is known as blast injury, is having an impact on PTSD, on depression, on all of these other mental illnesses that these veterans are facing. And so that's what was like served as a catalyst for my interest in traumatic brain injury. This is so fascinating. I'm like, I'm just drooling. I just want to keep listening to her talk <laughs> about this because I, as a trauma-informed coach, I've studied the trauma of money, but now being like, oh my God, there's so many other traumas that we are exposed to that we sometimes don't even realize that we just take as, oh, this is quote unquote normal. Mm -hmm. And especially for our people that are really in the front line of protecting our country, I think it's so important to just normalize this conversation conversations around trauma and around the options that we have to heal, to study it and to really benefit just from even listening to a conversation like this. So I very much appreciate you saying that. Now you just graduated with your PhD. Yes. What is next for you in terms of your career? Because I'm going to dive into running soon. <laughs> no, honestly, I don't know. This is the first time I would say in my life that I don't know exactly what the next step is. I have always had a plan in line and I did have actually a plan. I had a postdoc, postdoctoral fellowship that I was supposed to do at, right after graduation. And I had that lined up for about a year prior to graduating. But something just by the time I graduated, something in me that just wasn't clicking, I did not want that anymore. What I wanted a year ago isn't what I wanted now. And I needed to really assess that. Is this truly what I want? Or am I doing this because I think this is the correct next step for me? Because on paper, it would make sense. I move on to a postdoc and it was a great opportunity and fantastic institution with the highest technology possible. And that was supposed to be what the next step was for me, but it just, my heart wasn't in it anymore. At this stage in my life, I don't want to put myself in a situation that I mildly want to do. I don't, especially because I feel like the older I get, my time is more and more valuable and losing close family members also makes you appreciate time in a, in a different way, just because tomorrow is never guaranteed. And so I was like, okay, what do you want to do? I honestly want to try a lot of things. <laughs> I want to try science communication, making my own content on both TikTok and Instagram and YouTube and share information because. I feel like a lot of the times of what I think is common knowledge really isn't. And I want to share everything that I know from a very macroscopic level of the brain to very detailed if that's what people are interested in. So I just want to share as much information, especially because growing up, I did not know this. I did not know how to get into grad school. I did not know anything about neuroscience, brain injuries, or anything that I'm doing now. I had zero idea. And I would love for the next generation to have easier access to not only just free information, but 
tips and advice and how to get get to this next step if this is what you wanted to do. But I am also I'm also diving into potential to work in, in a corporate setting. So I am still applying to certain positions very strategically. I'm not I'm only applying to things that really interest me, like biotech companies that really interest me. Other than that, I'm not just going to jump into something just because. So that's that's where I am right now. Sort of in a limbo. <laughs> yeah, and I just want to say kudos to you for saying that you don't know that for the first time in your life, you don't have a plan because I think we also need to normalize that. Like it's okay not to know. It's okay to change your mind. It's okay to check in with your body. And if something doesn't feel right, it's okay for you to take a pause, take a break. And this is why in this podcast, we're all about money and finances. And this is why it's so important that you do take care of your money because then your money can give you the possibility of taking a pause from not having to apply for a job right away. Maybe the possibility of having more freedom, like the freedom of time that you just mentioned, which is so important. Now, you're a runner. I'm a former runner. I still run, not as much, but I love running. And I was captivated by your content because, Mujer, you're everywhere. You're running everywhere. (laughs) And when I say everywhere, like in other countries, and you're just going por todo el mundo. How did you get started into running? And why is it so important for you that you just literally go everywhere? So I'm obsessed with traveling. I think when I was younger, I always wanted to, but I, I mean, there's just no financial means to make that happen. But growing up, I, as soon as I got a job and my brother gave me his truck. So I, I was very grateful that I had transportation at a teenage, that young age. I immediately would take off. I would get in my car and my mom would be like, no, 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 And I'm like, no, I want to go. So I would take off. I would drive to, you know, to the beach. I would drive. I drove to San Francisco from Los Angeles. What am I doing at just doing this? At? But I always wanted to see the world and joining the military. Be careful what you ask for, because then they sent me straight to England and I was 18 years old. And so living there, truly, I saw how they live life. And they, the teenagers are traveling at a very young age. It is very, it's part of the culture to constantly take a plane ride every single holiday weekend and go to Paris, go to Ireland, go to Scotland. And because it's so cheap, I think my husband and I, we flew and his sister, she came to visit us. We flew to Ireland, $11 each ticket from England, from where we're stationed, like closer to Cambridge, about an hour from London. And that, and it was crazy. And that was just taxes at that point. So I think in in America, we don't have that. It's not that financially feasible to travel. At least I don't think so relative to other countries. And so that opened my eyes to once you're in this, the European area, the continent. So you just have access to so many different places by train, by plane, boat. And so it's just, it's just very interesting. Very, I really enjoyed that. So that's really what fueled my, my traveling journey. Once I lived there, I knew that I wanted to stay traveling all the time because we traveled a lot overseas every weekend we got. And when we were younger, I'm not going to lie, I did not have, I was not financially savvy or I, when you're young, you get this, your paycheck, you feel secure because the military's taking care of you and we're just spending everything to go travel. And so it wasn't until I was getting out of the military and transition, I was like, okay, I need to start 
saving. We started to make sure that we're good once we go back to the United States. So that's what stem. That's what like fueled my traveling all over the place. Is just I didn't want that to end, and that's how I want to continue living my life. And I say- love that. Just the freedom to pack up your bags and say I'm gonna go. I am a big fan of traveling. I have younger girls right now, so we don't really go too far, but we do go on vacation almost. I'm gonna say probably like at least once a month we go somewhere yeah. for a four-day weekend oh that's <laughs> because awesome we just like it so much and my yeah. girls are so used to it now that is it's part of their identity yeah. like little latinas are like oh we're gonna go somewhere now mom let me pack my own luggage <laughs> and i'm ready to go and so i love that now yeah. christina first of all i want to say thank you so much for making time to come to the podcast and share oh, your you. journey but before i let you go i want to ask you what is your definition of wealth my definition of wealth i would definitely have to say it's freedom freedom of how you spend your time i that is to me the number one thing that i'm chasing and that's one thing that i want to continue to pursue because again the being able to take time for to attend family weddings or baby showers or and not having to feel like i'm restricted because of either financial or work in obligations and being able to create your own schedule is i think is huge it, to me that's i i I know that maybe not the most like common definition of wealth, but I, to me, that's wealth. Yeah. yeah. And I love it. It's your definition is how you describe it. Now I'm a very much a chismosa and I want to know how many income streams do you have? Yeah. So it's always been me, my husband and I's income stream, but right now, since I'm not working, I, it's just my husband's income stream. So it's just one, but I've always worked up until this point. So it's just our normal jobs. So I would say, so yeah, just those two. I don't think, I don't really consider investments or anything like, because those dividends go right back into the stock. So it, we don't take them, put them into our account. Yeah, but that's another income stream, but that's making you money. Maybe you're not seeing Okay. It I don't see it like that. Yeah. Money. <laughs> yeah. And I, Okay. So if you, if you consider that income stream, then there's, there is that. And then I guess my own home, it's not really income, but it's potential income in the future. So my husband and I, we own this home and then we own a, also a home in California or in Oakland. So that's an income stream. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. I love it. Now I'm manifesting something for you right now. And I'm like, should I tell her? Should I tell her? Because (laughs) I just, my body's tell her, like, I just feel here, but I am manifesting a foundation with your name where you are helping younger Latinas breaking through STEM. Oh, I love that. Like, yes, please. Like, I'm just like, oh my God, like this mujer is totally going to have her name on a big building. And inside of that building, there's going to be so many younger Latinas who are going to be become the next scientists and the next changers of these planet really like I just saying that I was just like oh my god why am I feeling this but I'm manifesting <laughs> that for you now where can people find you if they want to connect with you Christina yeah so you can find me on Instagram at running on science you can find me on TikTok at running on science and you can also find me on YouTube at running on science so I keep it very cohesive so it's very easy to go through each platform yeah I love it thank you so much for coming to the podcast and thank you for having me If you are looking for additional resources to help you start your wealth building journey or online business, make sure you check out our blog at sayholawealth.com. Until next time, stay safe, stay strong, and stay inspired.
On the Say Hola Well podcast and associated entities, all information provided is for general informational purposes only, and it does not constitute legal accounting, tax, or other legal advice. Listeners should not act upon the content information without seeking appropriate advice from an accountant, financial planner, lawyer, or other professionals. We assume no responsibility for information contained on this podcast and associated entities and disclaim all liabilities with respect to such information, including but not limited to any liabilities for errors, inaccuracy, omission, misleading, or defamatory statements. Usage of this podcast and associated content constitutes an explicit understanding and acceptance of the terms of this disclaimer.